Surprise! It's another episode of BuddyCast. I'm here with my good buddy, Anthony Morelli, who's done a lot for the Erie comedy scene. He's run an open mic before. He's run a few shows here in Erie. He's a, he's a stand-up comedian just like me. And honored to have him on the show. How you doing, buddy? Wonderful, man. I uh, really appreciate you having me on the show. This oh, is going to be a lot of fun. Most definitely. It's an honor to have you, you know? We've been good buddies for a while, and I've interviewed so many other local comedians. I'm like, it's time to get Morelli on this episode, you know? So. Yeah, man, you had Sinbad not too long ago. That's that's grade-A stuff, man. I really appreciate uh, it. Yep. That podcast and Greg Morton, that, that was really cool, too. I watched that for sure. Mm-hmm. Those may be my A-listers, but I'm just as happy to interview someone like you, you know? So. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Appreciate yep. your time. Yep. So let me ask you, how did you get into comedy? Uh, it's, it's weird, man. It, um, I, I've always kind of had a knack for the theater, stuff like that, uh, in school and high school and stuff like that. I would do stuff in college. People really started telling me and noticing that, uh, I was kind of eccentric. Um, that's when people really started telling me that I should get on some kind of stage, not necessarily uh, a comedy, but, uh, just get up there and start acting. Um, but I, I, I went on through life, didn't really do anything, but uh, became a personal trainer. And through that, you have to connect with the people that you're training. You're there with them for an hour um, and you don't want to make that hour suck. So, you know, I tell funny stories or, you know, just everyday experiences, stories from my childhood to my clients. And I would express to them that, you know, I wanted to do stand up comedy someday. And one of my clients actually uh, passed by the marquee at juniors um, and took a picture and it said open mic night, like next Wednesday or next Thursday or something. I was like, holy crap. Um, so I got a hold of them or I left them a message on Sunday. Um, and then they called me back on Tuesday and they're like, hey, yeah, the open mics tomorrow. Uh, you're on. So we'll see you there. And I was like, uh, OK. And so that's the. I actually kind of that was the first time that I got on stage and really did stand up comedy. But I would say Twitter is where I really started formulating thoughts and ideas uh, and making little jokes here and there. Um, so that was kind of like my first notebook. Hmm. So how long would you say you've been doing this? Like how long do you think it's been? Um, I mean, since that first juniors open mic, it's been over two years now, but mm-hmm. we've also in the midst of the pandemic, but it's also not a New York city two years either. Um, it, uh, that first mic that I did, I didn't do anything else until that next mic that juniors did. And that was, I think a month or so after that. And then, mm-hmm. so there was big gaps in between my beginning to where I'm at now. But in those two years, I've already got to do some really, really cool stuff. Um, I was in Australia at the beginning of 2020, um, and I got to be on a showcase in in Melbourne. Um, and I was I was on a showcase with traveling comics through Australia, um, and I had a room of about 40 people um, that were Australian laughing for seven to eight minutes. And if you can get a room of strangers across the world to laugh for seven to eight minutes. That gave me a huge boost um, in my in my confidence and kind of, you know, pointed me in the direction that I was doing things correctly. 
um, to where I've in this two years, I've also got to feature at uh, Junior's Last Laugh, which is uh, now under new ownership, but Bobby Borger that gave me that first shot. I opened, uh, I featured for Dwight Slade um, two sets, and it was it was one of the best experiences that I've had in comedy. So two years in uh, with big gaps in between, but really getting to do a lot of cool stuff. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that feature act you did. That's not uh, it was, <laughs> So I did it, but, um, you know, I was supposed to do 10 minutes and they would light you and stuff. Uh, and I got up there and I started out and I was, uh, but I got them, I got people laughing, but most of my set was about marijuana. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it seemed like I was very one dimensional comic, which now in hindsight, uh, I wish I would have delved more into my personal training or my um, family jokes, stuff like that, to give it a little bit more diversity. But uh, as an experience, man, it was awesome. Dwight, Dwight Slade, super cool dude, very uh, informative. He'll answer questions for you. He'll give you tips and tricks and stuff like that. Um, but to be on stage in front of 150 people and to get them laughing, even though it's about marijuana and, you know, there's older people in the crowd, um, I can still make people laugh that way. So that experience was super cool. Like I ran up to the green room pretty much just so I could sit in it. Like it was empty. Nobody was there. Nothing was in it. But I sat in the green room, had Junior's last laugh, like because I was allowed to be there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just think of all the talent that's passed through that room, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned open mics earlier. If I'm not correct or whatnot, because I've only said that because I've been there, you run an open mic yourself, haven't you? Yeah. Um, obviously, during the pandemic, things have changed a little bit. But prior to that, we were doing a biweekly, or I was doing a biweekly open mic here in Erie. Um, and challenging would probably be the best way to, to put it. Um, it, you had to wear many hats as a host or an MC of the event. Uh, number one, it was super challenging because I felt that I had to so come up with something new every week. So that way I wouldn't dull the regulars that were there, the other comics or people that came to support their girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. Um, so that was challenging in that aspect, but it also taught me to be a lot more prepared to write every day and write a lot. Like that's, that's the name of the game. Um, you're going to have a lot of failures, uh, like I have in a lot of our open mics. <laughs> um, but that, uh, eventually leads to some successes too. Um, but like I said, wearing many caps, number two, you have to be like security. You have to be, you know, the liaison for networking. Um, you have to be a moderator. Uh, it, it, it's challenging in that aspect to to do all that, have your mind be everywhere and still have to be yourself and go on stage and present and be the in-between guy. So it, it, that taught me quick wit pretty quickly, too, um, to, you know, scolding people when they're being a little bit of a jerk to some friends or saying inappropriate things on stage. Um, it, it teaches me to de-escalate a situation, but also be stern at the same time and make it funny a little bit, or as funny as you, you can make it at that moment. Mm -hmm. um, and another thing is like, it doesn't make me money. I do this uh, because we need practice space. And for us in Erie, it's you drive to Jamestown, Buffalo, 
Pittsburgh or Cleveland in that area if you want any sort of stage time. And that's a haul for us. I mean, that's an hour and a half, two hours one way uh, just for five minutes of stage time to practice. So I know we needed something in Erie. Um, and yeah, so we don't get paid to do it. It's more out of the kindness of the heart. Um, so it, it became a chore more than it became fun some, some nights. But other nights, it was definitely well worth it because you got to laugh your ass off with some friends. So mm-hmm. once everything kind of gets back to normal, if and when, um, I definitely want to see something going back to once a week here in Erie somewhere established. So that way, people, we can build a scene. Um, we can work with each other like we had been, uh, where we started writing journals and stuff like that. Um so I want to see that community kind of become more established once things kind of get back into gear. Most definitely. Most definitely. And you were absolutely right about what you said about wearing the multiple hats. You know, like I remember going to one of your open mics, someone heckled me or someone like made a comment afterwards and you were like, you were doing your outro for me. You were doing Nick Swanson, you know, catch him here at this place. And someone said something, you just completely paused and said, you watch your mouth. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I'm pretty good at being explosive quickly <laughs> yep. and catch stuff on the fly. Yep. But it was a fun, it was fun open mic. You're right. We need a lot of practice. We need a lot of, it was nice to have something in the area. Do you think yeah. you'd be picking it back up once, you know, things start to get better with this, you know, with all this stuff? Uh, for sure. Like I, I want to reach out right now is not the time to reach out to places just because of the restrictions that are going on, the mandates and stuff like that. So it's it's I don't want to put any more pressure on a business, but I also don't want to give the opportunity for um, COVID to spread. That's also a huge concern of mine personally. So I don't want to give those opportunities um as you know a weekly open mic but yeah as soon as things calm down um and we kind of get a semblance of normalcy again i would love to reach out to different venues um you know like i have showcases with different places around town now um i think we could go back to the avalon hotel um and we could also my dogs are going nuts in the background sorry (laughs) happens all the time yeah but uh yeah, I would love to see multiple venues as well. You know, it, if it doesn't have to be one venue per night, per week, I love. Uh, but it uh, can also, you know, I would love it to be all around town. So it gives equal opportunity for people that can't travel as easily too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of COVID, how have you seen it impact the comedy scene just in general, you know? Uh, It's broken a lot of people's hearts. You know, this was a big outlet for a lot of us to go out and make people laugh and laugh at ourselves and laugh at our friends and gives you that sense of community. So it's definitely impacted a lot of people, I know. Um, But it's also given a lot of people a different outlet for their creativity. Uh, You know, TikTok stars are becoming a huge thing. Um, me personally, I have always been into creative writing, uh, and I always have a vision for some sort of film and television, uh, more than just stand up. Like I love stand up because I enjoy the hell out of making people laugh and engaging and dialoguing with that. That's why I also like doing improv too. Uh, but, uh, it, I've started writing, uh, I started writing a TV script. 
Uh, I wrote all the characters out. I wrote the format, the the storyline for, you know, a couple of seasons or what I would project as seasons. And uh, I've started writing out the actual dialogue in between because I've been learning. I've been taking classes online, too, about how to write like that, uh, reading books all the time. So it's given me a, because I can't do stand up. Well, I need to get rid of that energy somehow. And right now it's writing and reading and learning. Um, so I think it'll bounce back. Absolutely. Uh, you know, throughout history, his, we've always laughed. We still laugh. Um, you know, life's either a comedy or a tragedy. It's really up to you. And for me, it's, I always try to make it a comedy as much as possible. So I think absolutely it'll come back. I don't think the virtual, uh, virtual shows will stay on as much. Uh, if live comedy is back and flourishing, but you never know, you know, we can adjust. We've learned a lot through all of this. So I'm excited to see where comedy goes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, um, let me ask you, who are some famous comedians that you've met throughout your career? Some that you even look up to? Um, I haven't had the opportunity to meet a whole lot. Uh, I think the first time Steve-O came through, you know, it was just one of those basic chats um, but I, the, some of the most famous people I would say is probably Dan Lamort. Uh, he's from New York City. He has an album out. Um, he actually, I brought him to Erie. He stayed at my house. Uh, and I also got really high with him in Chicago after one of his shows. Um, but yeah, I like obviously Dwight Slade, I got to open for him, but I don't, I'm kind of a homebody other mm -hmm. than going out and doing stand up. I'm not. I don't network very well because I'm quiet. When I go to places, I'm very concerned with my set, how I'm going to do. I'm studying other things. Um, so the people that I've met are very small, AJ Foster. Um, but uh, those guys are super awesome too. They mm -hmm. go out of their way to answer questions for you. They take time out of their day to make sure that you're doing all right. Uh, so AJ Foster and Dan Lamort are probably some of the more famous people that I've met, but also some of the most down to earth people. Mm -hmm. Now, who are some comedians you wish that you, you want to work with one day? Tom Segura, immediately, always and forever. Tom Segura. Like when he came to Erie on December 5th, I harassed him on social media for months. I was like, hey, Tom Segura, no be cool. Let me open five minutes for you in my hometown in Erie because you're my favorite comic. I like harassed him weekly. I even went as far as to call his agency and ask to be, like talk to his agent to see if I could try to open for him. They're like, you know that he tours with an opener, right? And I was like, yeah, but it's just five minutes, man. Like, come on. <laughs> They're like, no. So I don't know if I'll ever be allowed to work with him, but Tom Segura, 100% every day, all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alrighty. Now, outside of comedy, what do you like to do? What are your What are your, some of your activities? You mentioned you're a personal trainer. What else? Yeah. Do you so I'm a fat personal trainer right now. If you can't tell with these double chins, I'm like the epitome of America. <laughs> I'm that nurse that smokes. You know, like just you're that personal trainer that has the box of donuts. Hey, what? Yeah. Yeah. You work out. This is for me. Yeah. 
Um, no, but I mean, I've gotten back into working out. Life hands you a bunch of shitty uh, cards sometimes. So I dealt with that and I'm back on the workout train. Like I just did four and a half mile walk today and a bunch of squats and push-ups, best I can do. Um, but I've also taken down 25 trees in my backyard, cut them, split them and stacked them. Um, I'm very outdoorsy. I love being outdoors. I actually have uh, aspirations and plans in the works to either go on a two or four month canoe trip. And that'll be from the backyard uh, where I grew up and we put in at French Creek. And uh, that'll take me either to the, well, it'll take me to the Mississippi guaranteed. So that's two months. And if I still have the cojones to keep going, uh, I can go all the way to the Gulf of Mexico from there. And that would be another two months. Um, but I've, I've had a knack for that all my life. We, I think we originally in life met uh, when I was at Custaloga Town as a Boy Scout camp counselor. Uh, and yep. you were Boy Scout. Like yep. I lived in those tents for two months during the summer. It wasn't like a luxurious day. I stayed in cabins or what. No, we stayed in tents and fended off the raccoons when they were trying to eat our ho-hos and shit. Like. <laughs> it uh it's definitely a lifestyle more than it is uh just just a happenstance mm -hmm. very outdoorsy very yeah outdoorsy. try to be you know I, I go on hikes but I, i'm winded a lot you guys go on i'll catch up with you in a minute well it's downhill right just please can it yeah. be downhill from now <laughs> yep dude we've only hit mile one. Ah, yeah no i uh the hills around where we live, man, they're challenging oh. for sure. Oh, most definitely. Try I'm really, really appreciate. Oh, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. The gorge hills, you know, right by where you live. That's what I was going to say. I'm super appreciative to be where we're at and have the gorge right, right there, man. It's so right beautiful. Yeah, mm -hmm. so beautiful. Walking up by your house on top of that ridge that comes back yeah. over to station, best view I think in Erie. You oh, can yeah. see the lake, like the change of colors in the lake, the change of colors in the trees. But you, you get to see miles, a miles of the horizon. Man. We're so lucky. To, where you need to go, you need to go up Freeman. I think it's called Freeman Road, the big hill. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That, yeah. Like that walkway yeah. back over to station. Yeah. That is the best view. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. It's like what they say on uh, on the Rocky spinoff Creed. Like when they're at the end, it's like you can see your whole life from up here. Yeah. Again, a comedian, I saw my whole life down there and a bunch of relatives that have passed on were laughing at me, you know? Mm -hmm. so, but, um, yeah, it's really, uh, it's really, like you said, an amazing view, especially if you work out in the morning and catch the sunrise. Oh, yeah. Or like if you're just taking an evening stroll with like a special someone, you know? Yep. You, it's the watching the sunset. You've just got one of the most beautiful sunsets in there, you know? You can also go down to Shades Beach real close to us oh, and yeah. that, you know, like just walking down there and catching the sunset is always fantastic and more exclusive than going to Presque Isle just because it's more of a tourist destination. Shade Beach is kind of a community gem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm going to ask you two questions that I ask all my buddies when they come on this show. The first one is if you could have our audience donate to any charity of your choice, what would it be and why? So I have two of them that are kind of near and dear to my heart. Uh, the first one would be the Barber National Institute. Mm -hmm. uh, I've worked there for many years off and on. 
Uh, I this, The programs that they run, what they do for the community and the individuals is outstanding. Um, and they probably need our help now more than ever um, because they run primarily off of donations. So the services that they provide for special needs individuals and children uh, are unparalleled, I feel, in, in Erie County and in the state. You know, they are internationally recognized and studied. Um, so any donation to go into the Barber National Institute uh, is always going to be for good. Um, and the second one is the Special Olympics of Erie County as well. Uh, a lot of these programs are donation based. They're not being funded a whole lot anymore. Um, they kind of go under the radar. I coached for quite some time for Special Olympics soccer and basketball and a bunch of other stuff. Um, and the joy that I got out of coaching, uh, it, it was absolutely 100% worth it. it. It's some of the greatest times, some of the greatest memories uh, that you'll get to cherish uh, if you're involved. But if you're not, it really helps fund those memories for a lot of families, um, but also the staff and the volunteers that work there as well. Um, you know, it's a lot of fun for us too. So any donations going to either of those two would help out the community at large. Um, but it, uh, it's selfish reasons because I've worked there and I did stuff for them and I think they're awesome. Mm -hmm. Now it's time for the ultimate buddy cast buddy question, which is if you had any advice for anyone who wants to be a stand-up comedian or do what you do for the community with stand-up comedy, what would it be? Care, number one, I guess, if you're going to do it for, do what I do for the community is care for the community that you're a part of. You always want to make not only yourself better, but everyone around you, and that includes your community. Um, so that would have to be number one if we if we put it that way. Um, but if you just want to do stand-up comedy and you want to make a name for yourself, it's universal across the board that you need to study, you need to write but you don't just need to study the greats. Like I, I watch every new, uh, you know, special that comes out. I try to, um, but I, so I study the greats. I've studied Carlin, Robin Williams is a huge, huge inspiration lately. Dave Chappelle, Tom Segura, stuff like that. But more importantly is study yourself. You have to study uh, your mannerisms, what you do, your timing, your cadence, your ums, your ahs, uh, what you're doing on stage, what makes you look awkward versus how you could accentuate a joke with some gestures. Um, so that, you know, getting on stage and saying stuff is just the tip of the iceberg. That's essentially the easy part of the job. Um, but it's the countless hours that go behind that uh, five minutes on stage. You know, it's taken me 40 hours to loosely have 20 minutes, not more than 40 hours. I 400 hours, you know, countless travel hours and this and that to loosely put maybe 20 minutes together that I'm pretty comfortable with. And I think people enjoy universally. Um, but I'm always studying and trying to improve that uh, listening and reading to uh, people that have done it longer than me. Uh, I, I went about it a little bit too roughly in the beginning i would say because i would just constantly message people and you know like andy fiore uh host of a segment on raw dog comedy on sirius xm 
uh, channel 99, like I would be on Twitter and I would just be up his ass asking him like, Hey, how did you get good? How did you get good? And he's like, go on stage, get on stage. That's how you practice. But you write before that and you write and you write and you rewrite and you say it out loud to yourself and you watch yourself in a mirror and you write. And I was like, that's bullshit. Tell me how you really got good. You know, like, so I would, I would hound people in the beginning, but then I started actually listening to their advice. Um, and that was a hard part for me because <laughs> mm -hmm. I wanted to be good really quickly. Uh, and I found out that it is a lot of work. So that's also another tip is get, if you want to be good, you have to put 40 hours a week in. Uh, if you want to be great, it's gotta be more than that. You know, like I, I, don't like the city, but I am jealous of city comics because down in Pittsburgh, you have multiple mics every night of the week, except for the weekends. Whereas in Erie, I got one mic, you know, one night every two weeks. So you get time to practice and refine and reform. But um, when you don't get that opportunity, the best solution you have is write, tell jokes in front of your friends, your family, strangers, you know, uh, a way that some people went to, you know, started out in LA, they would just stand up at the laundromat and start yelling to people, you know, um, get inventive, think outside of the box. Uh, right now we have so much opportunity to be creative. Mm -hmm. That would be a great way to get your name out there. But again, you have to write and you have to think and you have to plan all that out. So it's preparation, preparation, preparation. Definitely. Have you thought of doing any uh, like virtual shows or anything like that? I so that's hard for me. I, I really enjoy engaging with the audience. You know, mm -hmm. half of my uh, material, uh, I ask the audience a question and I know where I want to direct that. But it's, it's based on their reaction on how I direct it and how I move forward. Uh, and for virtual shows, for me, it's awkward. I'm not a great joke writer as a, a standalone. I'm a great storyteller, uh, and I can write jokes within those stories now uh, because I've learned to do that and how to build punchlines and callbacks and stuff like that. But as a joke teller just on my own, not that great. It's, it's an engagement. It's how you feel with the audience for me uh, to riff with them and online, I don't know how that opportunity goes. I've done a couple of show, or like I did something at Basement Transmissions where we had a live show. So it was like I was talking to an audience, not a computer screen, um, but it was still awkward because it was just a cell phone. Um, but I think I am good enough at telling some stories with some of my good jokes that I can entertain people online. Uh, so it's something that I'm willing to try for sure. Um, but it's not something that I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. One day I'll have to do a co-show with you, you know, on my comedy page. Yeah, for sure. Uh, That's a, stuff, you know? I think, you know, like, again, having that interaction is what yes. fuels me. Yes, most definitely. Most definitely. But that, that's what I love about this program is you can see the interaction too, you know? Yeah. People can ask questions or say stuff. Like, for example, I'll give you a quick example. Like, we're here to uh, charities over here. Ding! Oh, that's dope as hell. Yeah, exactly. Super interactive. Yeah, that's yep. that's pretty fun. That reminds me of, like, 
uh, that VH1 show, the bubble show that would come up during the music videos, mm-hmm. something like that. That would yeah. be that would be fun. That's why I like, that's why I like, like a mix of Zoom and Facebook Live. You know. Yeah. So I'll definitely send you the link. To, I'll send you the um, the link to this. You know, to this series, and you'll have to check it out. Very cool, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, thank you so much for being a buddy here on BuddyCast. It was a pleasure I'm, to have you. I loved it, man. It was uh, my pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you. To all my buddies out there, like I always tell you, go be someone's buddy today. So stick around a minute. We'll chat afterwards. Sure, we'll man. Next sure. time here on BuddyCast. <laughs>